I am someone who saw the suffering caused by God's angry rod. The Creator drove me away, forced me to walk in darkness, not light. Against me alone, God's hand turns again and again, all day long. I've rejected peace. I've forgotten what is good. I thought, my future is gone as well as my hope from the Holy One. The memory of my suffering and homelessness is bitterness and poison. I can't help but remember and am depressed. I call all this to my mind, therefore I will wait. Certainly the faithful love of God hasn't ended. Certainly her compassion isn't through. They are renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I think God is my portion, therefore I will wait for them. God is good to those who hope in him, to the person who seeks her. It's good to wait in silence for the Holy One's deliverance. It's good for a person to carry a yoke in their youth. They should sit alone and be silent when God lays it on them. They should put their mouth in the dirt. Perhaps there is hope. They should offer their cheek for a blow. They should be filled with shame. Creator definitely won't reject forever. Although they have caused grief, they will show compassion in measure with their covenant loyalty. God definitely doesn't enjoy affliction, making humans suffer. Remember, O oh God, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to aliens. We have become, we have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. But you, O oh God, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why have you forgotten us completely? Why have you forsaken us these many days? Restore us to yourself, O oh God, that we may be restored. Renew our days of, as of old. Unless, Unless you, have you have utterly, utterly rejected, rejected us and are, and are angry, angry with, with us beyond, beyond measure. measure. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. You turn to number 712, Beauty for Broken.
I don't always speak my footnotes aloud, but this morning I'm going to speak a very big footnote aloud. You have heard uh, us, Amy and I, uh, as we've preached through the narrative lectionary the last number of years, refer to the Bible Worm podcast and Bobby and Amy. They are two scholars, PhD students, both of them, uh, scholars, people of faith, leaders in their faith community, one of them Christian, that's Bobby, and one of them Jewish, that's Amy. And it has been the single greatest uh, preaching tool that I have ever encountered in my, now into my 18th year of church ministry. And today I'm especially grateful to the two of them and the conversation, the rich and deep conversation they had around this text, in part because here we are in Lamentations for the second week. And I got to tell you, I've never studied Lamentations. I've never preached on Lamentations. This is just, especially I think for Christians, we just skip over whatever books in the Hebrew Bible don't really resonate with us immediately or jive with our sort of focus on Jesus. We read the Hebrew Bible through the lens and the stories of Jesus. And Lamentations is one that is has been completely unfamiliar to me. So there's my footnote. Thank you to Dr. Bobby Williamson and Dr. Amy Robertson for their deep engagement with this text and helping me to understand it a little bit better. One of the very unique things about the Book of Lamentations is the distinct voices that are contained within the book. And if you were here, whether in person or on Zoom, last Sunday, our first Sunday in the Book of Lamentations, you recall two of those voices. As we did the scripture, I was standing here at the pulpit and Dustin was on his knees on the floor. And then Amy, as she preached, talked about how my voice was what is often referred to as the singer, sometimes the funeral singer. It's the witness, um, the person who's bearing witness to, and the voice that Dustin represented was the voice of what is often referred to as daughter Zion. So in Lamentations, it's a voice that's gendered female with she, her pronouns, daughter Zion. And daughter Zion was suffering and angry and demanding to be seen, demanding to have her suffering witnessed, seen, acknowledged. Today, in our reading, we encountered two more of the voices in Lamentations, and there's a fifth voice that I'm not going to get into at all because we only have two weeks and it features four of the five voices. So the voices that we encountered today were Dustin's voice, and he said, the watchman, the voice of the watchman, uh, sometimes also thought of as the strong man. So this is another suffering person, gendered male, he, him pronouns, the strong man or the watchman, who's also expressing his experience of suffering, but doing so distinctly from daughter Zion. And I, that's what I'm going to get into here. And then the fourth voice that we encountered was embodied, thank you, by Kyle and Greg and Darren together. And it is the communal voice. 
So it's the last chapter in Lamentations that for the first time shifts from I to we. It is the communal voice. It is the community's voice. It is the collective voice. It is the voice of the people of whom Daughter Zion and the strongman watchman are a part. So this is not a community separate from these two who are suffering. It is a community that somehow contains and holds and embraces these two who are suffering. We heard in the voice of the strongman, the watchman, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord, of our God, of Creator, never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Quite distinct from the voice that we heard in Daughter Zion last week, isn't it? This is also one who is suffering, one who expresses the suffering. I have seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. God has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Against me alone, God turns God's hand. So still suffering, still that intense suffering that we saw with Daughter Zion. But then there's this turn. Ah, but new every morning, and we got to sing it today in that beloved hymn that many of us grew up with. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. <sighs> now, Bobby, Bobby of the Bible Worm podcast, who also wrote the book on which this uh, series is based, the forgotten books of the Bible about these five festival scrolls. Bobby is a little bit like uh, our own Jonathan. Newfeld. Bobby works with people on the streets. And he shared in this conversation with Amy about this turn from the strong man, from the watchman. The steadfast love of God never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He shared that this is one of the best known and most often repeated verses from all of the Bible in the community of folks who were living on the streets with whom he was working. And he said, he shared sort of confessionally, kind of tried to talk them out of this, you know, like to say, you don't, you don't have to make that turn. Like it, it is truly okay to lament to a little more like Daughter Zion, to bring your anger and your protest before God, to demand to be seen. You don't have to do the whole like, oh, but it's better every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. You don't have to make that turn. And he tried that for a while. <laughs> he tried that for a while. But he said, this is what got them, his community, who he came to know and love, this is what that got them through to the next day. This is part of what helped them to survive their experience of suffering. They needed that. They needed to have this sense that their suffering had some kind of meaning, maybe even was deserved to some degree, 
I mean, it's just hard to even say those words aloud. But this is what Bobby is sharing from his experience of being in a relationship with these folks and that their suffering has an end. That there is a newness to God's mercy every morning. He shared how this is what they needed to survive, to know, to proclaim that God was restoring them and to claim it. And Bobby said, I learned my lesson. (laughs) And that lesson was not to try to take something away from someone that is helping them to survive. Not to try to steal it, not to try to talk them out of whatever is helping them, but instead to be in community with and to bear witness. Whew, that's tough stuff for me too. But the strong man, the watchman, as he comes to the close of his speaking of his own suffering and his proclamation, he says, creator will not reject forever. This is what the watchman needs to survive, to believe that God will not reject forever, that restoration is coming. Well, we have these two very different expressions of suffering, right? Daughter Zion experiences suffering and is angry and rises up in protest and demands to be seen. And the watchman says, your mercies are new every morning, and so I will hope in the God who will restore me and not reject me forever. These two very different experiences of suffering, expressions of suffering, and images of who God is in the face of our suffering. And then we get to chapter 5 the final chapter of Lamentations, and the final voice to be represented in the book. And that voice is the communal voice. And you would expect, perhaps, the communal voice to, I mean, in a sense, offer a verdict, a a judgment of some kind. They're not exactly a, a, a court. It's not a court setting to say that one is correct and the other is wrong. But there are these two very different experiences of suffering and expressions of who God is in the midst of suffering, and they are not compatible. They are not compatible. And so the communal voice comes in, and you expect them to sort of lean one direction or the other. And instead, instead what we get is something that's very confusing. The very last verse of the book, the last two verses, I'll read the last two verses of the book of Lamentations say, restore us to yourself, O God, that we may be restored. Renew our days as in of old. This is a hearkening back. Renew us to how we were. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure, the word of God. Restore us, unless unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Now, what is evident in the Hebrew and mostly lost, not actually not lost to us in English, it is captured in English if you look at multiple translations next to one another, <laughs> because this transition point, that word that transitions there between those two last verses 
it is, um, well, let's just say it's translated very differently in different translations. And this is an expression of that word in Hebrew. It could mean, but rather, or it could mean for truly. And so depending on how you translate that one word, the end of the book of Lamentations, the communal voice, the community says either, it's bad now, but God is about to restore us. So no problem, it's look, looking terrible, but God is just about to restore us because that's what God does. And that's, that's reminiscent of the watchman's voice, right? N new mercies every morning. Or it can be translated to mean God is the only one who could restore us, but God has utterly rejected us and won't. And that's reminiscent of daughter Zion's perspective, completely bereft of any hope. And uh, just to keep it interesting, it could be translated in such a way that leaves open the possibility. It says like, God may restore us, and we're still kind of waiting on, on, on the outcome. So from God is about to restore us to God has utterly rejected us and will never restore us to everywhere in between, God may restore us. All of those possibilities are contained within this single verse. What is interesting is that here in chapter 5, when daughter Zion and the watchmen have presented their sort of theological positions on suffering, their experience of suffering, their images of who God is in the face of suffering, and they don't jive with one another, the community doesn't pick one or the other as correct. Instead, the communal voice finds a thing to say that is spacious enough and ambiguous, frankly, enough to contain both. It's, it's almost magic how they do that, in fact. The community can say the exact same words that have them mean vastly different things. So they can say these words together, the exact same words, and some of them are saying, we have hope that God is restoring us. Some of them are saying, we have a little hope, maybe God might restore us. And some of them are saying, there is absolutely no hope. We have been utterly rejected. And they can say the same words all together, and there's enough ambiguity and spaciousness in the words to somehow hold them together, to see your own experience within the communal expression. One of the things that um, feels really beautiful and powerful to me about this surprising turn at the very end of Lamentations is the gift that each suffering person is given by hearing the community express and affirm their experience. Somehow, and again, this is where the magic is, somehow magically being able to affirm each, even though they seem in incompatible. So now I'm going to put my notes away. This has me thinking about 
us and how, how we do or don't do that. And it has me thinking very specifically about the suffering we've all experienced in the last years with the pandemic still going on. I, um, it has been hard for all of us. It's been hard to be a leader in a community uh, tasked with making decisions for the community on behalf of the community. I have felt grateful to have a great team of people with whom to do that discernment with one another. Felt very grateful for that. I have felt exceedingly grateful that this community um, has been remarkably unified in our commitment to care for the whole. I have peers in ministry who have faced just insurmountable challenges with conflict in communities over vaccination requirements and masking and, you know, all the things. And we have not had that kind of contentiousness here from the beginning. Even though we might all have our unique perspectives on things, from the beginning we were joined together and centered in our care for the whole. We talked about how we didn't want to return to normal, right? You remember those earlier days of the pandemic? We talked about how we were learning that normal had never been fully accessible or good for everyone. We were learning new things and we wanted to emerge from this experience, integrating those learnings and finding new and more whole ways to be and do community with one another. And now, well into our third year, I look out and I see masks and I know there are people joining by Zoom and I know there are people who have not been back in this room yet. And that is because the pandemic, disagree with our president, it's not over. <laughs> it is not a post-COVID era. Um, and the longer this goes on, the more I believe there will never be a post-COVID era that we are in the very messy ground of a with COVID era. And we're still figuring this out. And I, I don't know. I don't know where we're headed and I don't know how to make decisions. And I will tell you that because I have conversations with some of you who trust me with your perspectives, even in just the last couple of weeks, I have heard some of you say, when are we going to go mask optional already? We're moving around in the world and in our lives, mostly without masking. And like, when can we just do that in church as well? And I have heard from some of you a longing to center disability justice activists in these conversations and a lament for when did we, when did we stop caring for the whole And, one, and, and everything in between. <laughs> and one of the things that I know from this experience 
is there is no path and no future that is without brokenness. I think earlier on, we thought we were learning a thing that was going to help us find a path that was free of brokenness. And more and more, I I don't think there's that perfect path. Oh, Oh, it's hard. I have heard some of you give thanks for, like I've heard actual gratitude for this move towards um, being able to make choices individually and to do our own risk tolerance assessment and choose our own practices as we need to. And I have heard laments that we have lost our community-wide practices to care for the community and that all the burden is on the individuals now to make decisions about when to mask, when to not, all the things. I have heard both of those in this community. So again, I give thanks that we are not a contentious community, at least not yet, but I, you know, I keep thinking if we're still masking a year in, another year in, will, will that change? I don't know. But what I am aware of, and I think what the gift of Lamentations is, is that it allows us to imagine the diversity of experiences that we have, perspectives that we have in this room unified under some principles that we share, right? As I think about that in relation to our experience of suffering through COVID and the ongoing pandemic and the still just difficult, insurmountably difficult challenge of living into this living with COVID era, I think perhaps one unifying thing that we might be able to say together, I'm going to test these with you, is we yearn for wholeness. We yearn for wholeness. We long to be remembered, to be knit back together in all the ways that we have been frayed, and we need healing. I think we could all say those things, or some very, maybe we'd need to sit in a room and sort of like workshop it a little bit and do some collective uh, wordsmithing. But I think that gets at something that we might all say together and still contain some, some of the multitudes that we are holding in this room and in our fractured and dispersed community. We long for wholeness for ourselves. We yearn, whoa, whoa, whoa. we yearn to be remembered as a body. We need healing. I think that's what I'm going to say for today. And we're going to move into a time of response, and Dustin will say a little bit more about this, but it, it sort of it takes us back from this experience. It may include it, uh, the COVID experience to think about justice. Another thing that I think we can claim together as a community that the heart of the gospel of Jesus is just peace. And so what does it look like to claim justice as our shared yearning and longing in a way that honors the multiplicity of ways that we are particularly called into justice and peacemaking movements? So I'll let Dustin say more about that fun time of response, but I invite, invite you. Okay, no, I have one more thing to say.
Uh, see, this is what happens when you put away your notes. <laughs> I think the thing I'm going to say is a thing you've heard me say before, which is uh, curiosity is, I increasingly think, one of the most, if not the most important ingredient in healthy and thriving relationships. So as you encounter a different perspective sitting next to you, be curious. How can we hang together and value one another more than we value total conformity to a thing? And instead, be curious about the humans around us and continue to claim what we can claim together. May it be so, friends. Amen.